The following is rated R. It contains violence, adult language, nudity, and adult content. Testing, one, two, three. Joan, can you hear me now? Um, Skype apparently just randomly muted me. So I am, in fact, going to have to start the whole bloody show over again, and it's 836. So I've been talking for four minutes, and none of y'all could hear anything I'm saying, and I apologize for that. I don't always catch when these things are going on, but that's one of the nice things about having some of our listeners live here because she can warn me about things like that going on, and it's always good to have a little test. So Joan can hear me, and since Skype just randomly muted me without me telling it to, I'm going to start everything over again. And I beg your pardon and indulgence. Let's go for take two. So tonight is Sunday, March 13th, 2022. We started at 8.30. It's 8.37. We're going to try again. Thank you for joining us for the Walking Dead online viewing party right here on blogtalkradio.com. I'm host Casey Shapiro, and special thanks to our host and sponsor, NDV Media. And you might have heard the applause, but I'm going to give it to them again, because I appreciate so much that they are able to keep this open for us to have this opportunity. And also, special thanks to one of our regulars, Joan, who is in here with me just about every single week. Maybe there's been one or two on occasion where she didn't make it, but that's very rare, and she's super helpful. That's how I know i got to do the show over. Okay, this show, as all of our shows, contains spoilers up to the last episode and may contain content from any current AMC official promo materials. Typically, we start the show about a half hour before the new episode airs live each week, except in nights like tonight, where we start our show twice, but that's okay. Uh, We'll have recap from the previous episode, discussion of what is to come tonight. At 9 p.m., we go dark or mute. We'll watch the new episode together and then rate the episode between 1 and 10. 1 and 10 is perfect, as well as give you commentary during the commercial breaks. We will also give our listeners trivia on the show as well as the cast and crew, including bios, birthdays, and more. Our show is spoiler and comic-free, so please don't discuss either any spoilers or stuff from the comics in the chat room or on the air. We prefer our discussions, reactions, and comments to be just about what we know from the show that's presented. And now we are back up and running as we ought to be. Now let me tell you about all the little side stuff and news and I do have a new thing tonight that you haven't heard all right we'll saving that one for last so first welcome to the final season of the walking dead classic tonight is episode 12 in the second third of season 11 which is divided into three groups of eight so we're halfway through the second third of the season followed by the talking dead around 10 p.m. tonight immediately following the new episode 
Often Joan is very good at finding out exactly when that is, so we can share that with our listeners. Um, Joan, if I may politely impose on you to work your magic, I'd love to know when The Talking Dead is coming on. Number two, Fear the Walking Dead, Season 7, Episode 9, mid-season premiere, will return immediately following Walking Dead mid-season finale, which will be Season 11, Episode 16, that airs on 410. So Fear will pick back up mid-season premiere on 417. Number three, for those of you who may be behind, The Walking Dead World Beyond has ended a couple of weeks ago now. Um, Actually, four weeks. So that is done. It may merge into the movies. All of this still is nebulous, and I think they're doing it on purpose. And I don't necessarily mind to a point. I have a certain amount of patience with that, and then I'm going to lose interest. But I'm still with them. So in 2023, the fourth series is coming. They've been talking about this forever. They still haven't named the damn thing, even though they've written the first episode. It's a thus far unnamed spinoff with Carol and Daryl. In summer 2022, uh, item number five, there will be a fifth show, the six-episode anthology Tales of the Walking Dead. Filming began back in January 2022. Channing Powell is showrunner. There may be more than one season of this, Scott Gimple said. Um, One episode may feature the full plane crash sequence that came from World Beyond's pilot episode, Brave. Gimple also hinted that Madison Clark from Fear might appear in her own episode. Sonequa Martin-Green, who played Sasha, expressed her interest to return for an episode. A lot of these are going to be standalone, probably mostly prequels, a few sequels after they've wandered off, depending on what the character is or their current status. There's a rumor that Samantha Morton, who played Alpha, may get an episode. Other cast might include, probably will include, because they're sending out promo pics, um, Terry Crews, Anthony Edwards, Parker Posey, Poppy Liu, Jillian Bell, and Daniela Pineda. Uh, there was a tweet about this from Entertainment Weekly that spoke about it. Uh, let's see, Dead in the Water, number six. That was the Fear Webisodes mini prologue. Um, all they've been doing is talking about it coming. There is no sign of it actually being up. And the typical place you would look for that is YouTube, and there's nothing. So we don't know if this is still happening or not. Dead in the Water either may not happen or they haven't had time to film it. I don't know what's going on. Um, There's a few more possible shows mentioned. I've talked to you guys about this several episodes in the past, and I've said it every week for a while, and nothing's progressed. So I kind of took those out of my news for now. But I do have a new thing. A very fun new thing, sort of. Joan has come to the rescue. This is not the new thing. I'm just telling you. Uh, Joan has come to the rescue to let us know that Talking Dead tonight will be at 10.06. And that probably means that Walking Dead Classic is going to end at like 10.03 or 10.04. We'll have a couple commercials and then we'll go into the Talking Dead. Okay, so new stuff. This was announced this past week after last Sunday's show, which is why I didn't tell you. Um, This is a new spinoff project. Technically, this is number 11. I've just kind of randomly numbered everything I found, and I got up to 10. Um, So this is going to be entitled Isle of the Dead, 
I object because this is way too close to George Romero movies where he was continuing the blah of the living dead sort of thing and so on. He did have Diary of the Dead and he had Survivor, Survival of the Dead and um, so on and so forth. And one of them was on an island. It, it's all very silly. But anyway, Isle of the Dead takes place in a essentially post-apocalyptic Manhattan. And the two main characters that are going to be on it, this is going to be something of a spoiler because now you know that they survive at least to the end of the show. And it's all over the place in media, so I'm going to spoil it because AMC has spoiled it. It's going to be Negan and Maggie. And there's a whole article talking about it in which they're talking about a teaser implying there's going to be a romance between them. And lots of fans are up in arms. I don't care for this. I don't, as much as Maggie grieved Glenn, there isn't any way she would ever get romantic with the guy that killed him. It is all she could do to be civilized to him and not just kill him outright. And I'm sorry, I've been married to somebody that I adored, and there isn't any way that I would be bumping uglies with the guy who killed him. It's not going to happen. So I don't know what the hell AMC is doing with this. I don't mind Maggie and Negan going to Manhattan. But it needs to be like opposite ends of the room when they're sleeping kind of thing. I, You know, we can go all escape from New York and all that. But none of this falling in love shit. Um, I'm curious, Joan, if you had heard about this already or if you're just uh, finding out now. I'm actually going to drop the link to the article in the chat room in case you're curious, because I'm not going to be able to get to it for a few minutes, because I want to read it out loud to everybody. Um, Jonah said, thank God, I was thinking all along the same lines of how in the hell are Maggie and Negan going to do a series in which they don't try to kill each other? I don't know, and I don't know what the hell they're doing, but anyway, that was announced. I have, you know, there are several programs that have been announced that didn't happen, I don't mind them going to New York, but the romance thing's got to go. Sorry, AMC. I know nobody from your company has ever listened to anything I have to say, except maybe to find out if I'm being naughty with copyright, and I try not to. Um, but, you know, my tiny little unimportant person opinion is that, are you fucking crazy? This show is rated where we can drop an F-bot every so often. All right. Let's kvetch about that later. It's 8.46. Let's try to catch up to the very basics before we go live. Call in to speak with the host if you would like at 914-338-0314. Anytime tonight is fine, but we especially encourage you to call between 8.30 and 9 p.m. You are still welcome to call during the live show, but you will be screened and muted until the commercial break where we can chat on the air. If the phones are not your thing, you don't want to be on the phone, you can join us in our live chat room where you can just type to people and you'll be able to listen to the show real time as well as go back to that link after the fact and download the episode. If you're unable to join us in real time this evening, you can still go back to the link later and download it. Go to the cloud-shaped hiccups, I'm so sorry, white icon at the top right of the page. You can also download this and prior episodes on iTunes and I have recently discovered also Spotify. And in fact, let me put that on my notes since that is a recent discovery. And or Spotify. Yes, we know Joe Rogan's a putz and he's still on there. We know that 
I'm too invested in it, and I'm certainly not going to discourage the guy who owns the stable I work under from putting stuff on Spotify if he wants to. Um, I like being on there. I just wish they would get their poop together on that one topic. All right, tonight's Walking Dead episode is entitled The Lucky One. It used to have a different title, and I'll talk about that in trivia time. Um, the AFC synopsis is Aaron and Maggie meet Governor Pamela Milton as she tours Alexandria, Oceanside, and Hilltop. Ezekiel finds himself lucky during a routine checkup. I find that strange because other promos have suggested he has some emotional news, and I don't know if it's good or bad, or maybe they played with it. I'm not sure. Eugene processes Max's story. And to be clear, this is a spoiler from last week. Go potty if you don't want to hear it. When, when we say Eugene processes Max's story, understand that that refers to the girl who may or may not really actually be Stephanie, the lady he was talking to on the radio. Uh, her name is Max, and she has, well, she has a history I've heard about. I don't know if they're sticking to it. I don't think they've revealed it in the show. So I'm not going to reveal it because they may choose to tell a different story. They've done that multiple times relating to the comics. So we cannot assume it's the same. But anyway, she already has a, a role there, and she isn't actually Stephanie at all. It, it's all very strange. We'll talk about it a little more during trivia. There's some more details. Um, additional synopsis, as I often do for you guys, I'm going to pull that up next and try to cover that. It is 849, so I believe we have time. So this one is from comicbook.com. This is one of my preferred sources for stuff. They don't always do this. Um, the Walking Dead returns to Hilltop in episode 12 trailer, The Lucky Ones. Cameron Bolomono, uh, written on March 6th for comicbook.com directly. And let's scroll down. I'm going to double check the chat room, see if Joan is saying anything. Uh, oh, Joan is saying, uh, yeah, my initial thought was, what? Who in the world thought this was a good idea? Referring back to the Maggie and Negan implied possible romance thing maybe they're just doing that to torment us and it's not really going to happen and i'm fine with that i they can toy with my emotions as long as they don't do the bad thing because if they make the storyline polluted i'm going to have fear the walking dead feelings about it i'm just saying joe knows what the hell i mean by that <laughs> okay here is cameron's article quote why do you trust these people hilltop leader maggie asked commonwealth trooper daryl in the first look at Season 11, Episode 12, The Lucky Ones. Set months before Maggie and Daryl's future standoff outside the gates of Hilltop, which was the ending, I believe, of Episode 10. Maggie meets Commonwealth Governor Pamela Milton and Deputy Governor Lance Hornsby on their tour of the Allied communities. In a visit to Alexandria Oceanside and Hilltop, because remember, Sanctuary is gone and I can't remember the fifth. Uh, grouping that went into this. I blanked on it now. Joan, if you remember, there were five. Three are left. Sanctuary died, which was the saviors. And then there was one more, and I've completely blanked. Um, Hornsby continues to consolidate powder after manipulating Eugene into bringing his group to the Commonwealth. A six-month flash-forward in no other way. Yes. So episode 10 revealed Maggie at odds with Daryl and the Commonwealth, the resourceful civilization of 50,000 survivors in Ohio. 
Hornsby has his own plans for the allied communities outside the Commonwealth walls, but he'll need a joint agreement from their leaders, Aaron of Alexandria, Rachel of Oceanside, and Maggie of Hilltop. Quote, there's not too much I can say, but I think that there's a lot that comes up for her to do with this. Will we, won't we play ball with the Commonwealth? Cohen told comicbook.com about Maggie's resistance towards the Commonwealth. Quote, it's difficult to rebuild to begin with, and it's really difficult to rebuild when you don't have any food and resources. So we're going to see a lot of challenges. The group and Maggie and the people at Hilltop are definitely going to be hit with a lot of challenges as far as that, end quote. After Samantha and her army burned down Hilltop during the Whisperer War of Season 10, Maggie rejected Hornsby's offer to join the Commonwealth back then, apparently. A small group of survivors are rebuilding the Hilltop colony, including Elijah, Diane, and Lydia. Quote, we as an audience, we're going to really get to try to peek under the hood of the Commonwealth which Maggie obviously finds very suspicious, Cohen teased. I think that there's a dream that maybe they could have something good to offer and maybe there could be good out there and people can help you and support you and make your life a little bit easier in the apocalypse. But is that too good to be true? And I think it's just very difficult to trust at this point in the game for many of these characters, including Maggie. Well, so we'll see what happens. You know, every time they give a teaser, it's always got to be super vague because AMC is very locked about these things. All right, it's 8.53. We will start on writers and directors, but I do not know how far we will get yet. Tonight's episode was written by Vivian C. and directed by Tanya McKiernan. And I've got Vivian's profile, but I'm not sure if I'll get through all of it. We'll give it a shot. I'm going to check in and see if Joan has things to add. Um, Oh, Joan, is exactly what I was thinking about having Fear the Walking Dead feelings if they do this. Yes, so she knows exactly what I'm talking about. And then she adds, not sure if there was another group at Sanctuary after Negan's Saviors. The Whisperers didn't really have a base. No, there were five people that signed that document a couple of seasons ago. Or, you know, like season nine. And... I swear there was a fifth group. I don't, I'm going to try to Google this super quick. I don't want to take up too much time with it because we are going to go dark shortly. Let's see. Walking, walking Dead Five Communities. I'm going to say treaty and see what comes up. Yeah, the coalition. Okay. The coalition consisted of, please tell me who. Um, who's in the coalition? Okay. So it appears to be Alexandria, Oceanside, Hilltop, the Highwaymen, which folded into Alexandria eventually. No, or Hilltop, I think. Let me see. The Highwaymen. Oh, the formerly part is just people who were in charge of things and went away or something. So maybe there was four, but there was definitely more than three. Um, Hilltop, the highwaymen, I think, were partly left over from stuff and got merged in other things. I still think there was five people originally. Um, Now they're talking about Alexandria Hilltop. Oh, the kingdom! Damn it! Ezekiel's people! That's what I forgot. And Magna's group is a side thing like the highwaymen. 
but the kingdom was the one I forgot. I how I'm so sorry, Carrie Payton. And by the way, I'm going to totally spoil it. He's going to be on Talking Dead tonight, so I have to apologize. He will never see it, but it's the principle of the thing. I want to show him mad respect. So Joan said, okay, the coalition is all five of those together. That's what I'm saying. Um, she says, Alexandria Hillside, Kingdom, Oceanside, and Sanctuary. Yes, the coalition was those five groups together, and they signed that document up at Hilltop about it. Okay, so now I've talked till 8.56, and I know I won't finish Vivian's uh, profile, but I'm going to start it. Okay, now I've got her original bio that I've been keeping, and I just so happened to run into a place from a year ago on her Instagram, which has a bunch of bio stuff that's nowhere else on the web, not in her IMDb, and it's not in the Walking Dead Wikia. So... On March 25th, 2021, on Instagram, she said the following. My name is Vivian. I was born and raised in the Netherlands, but I'm originally from Hong Kong. I have two sisters. I'm the middle child, and I'm perfectly imperfect. My sisters and I attended Chinese classes on Saturdays when we're little, hoping to improve our Chinese and get more in touch with our cultural background. That's where I met my hubs, Waylon. W-A-I-L-U-N. We were in the same class, but we lost contact after I stopped attending Chinese classes. In 2013, I got reconnected with, I, I don't know if it's pronounced Y or Wei, W-A-I, and it would be a Chinese name. And Joan, I don't know if you can Google this. Uh, you know, I have friends that speak Chinese, but I don't have time to hit them up for this, so I'll see what I can do. So three years later, so 2016, which I've mentioned before, she uh, tied the knot with him. In March 2017, we welcomed our first son, Aiden. Being new parents was challenging for the both of us, but Aiden definitely made our relationship stronger. Not only ours, but also the bond with the rest of our family members. I do believe babies bring family closer. In April 2019, we welcomed our second bundle of joy, Ace, A-C-E. He and his brother are so different in personality. They're total opposites, yet they get along so well. I'm currently expecting baby number three, and we can't wait for her to arrive. And in a later note, she has a picture of her pregnant and a picture of her with a new baby, who is Avery Chloe, and she was born on June 5th. Here's the rest of the bio, or well, it's pieces of it, because I'm sure I'm going to have to go dark. Vivian C. is a San Francisco native, which is not entirely true. Now based in New York City, minimalist style enthusiast, happily married, mommy to Aiden Chase, and obviously, this was written before the other two kids were born. Zara Addict, that's a designer, but I'm not sure of accessories or clothes or what. I think Zara might unfortunately be the manufacturer of that sassy, icky jacket that Melanoma used to wear in the White House. <laughs> yeah, I'm being political. Die mad about it. Um, obsessive about bags and shoes. She married her husband, Way, in September of 2016. I know I said way and why, and I apologize that I don't know any better. I speak zero Chinese. Um, professionally, Vivian C. began her career working with Oscar-nominated producer Mark Gordon on a variety of films, including Emmy-nominated and starring Pancho Villa as himself, as well as with Julie Tremor, Tamor on Golden Globe-nominated Across the Universe. And with that, I'm going to go dark because we're almost ready to go. I'll see you guys at break number one. Thanks for joining us.
Okay, guys, it's 9.06, and we are at our first commercial break, so it's time to do our scores. I am starting with 5.5, and we'll give Joan a second to figure out what she's thinking about all this. I don't think this was like some kind of amazing opening, but it was nice to get a whole bunch of things into motion and not just the same old crap that's been going on. I do find it interesting to find out that Mercer is Max's brother, and... I'm going to speak the obvious question. He's a black man, and she appears to be mixed race of some sort, and I'm unclear what. And she does not seem to have any African-American features, so I'm unclear. Maybe they're adopted or something not clear about any of this. There's a lot of relationships in the apocalypse that are not traditional as we know them. So that's all fine. Um Waiting to see. Oh, Joan is agreeing with me about the 5.5. So let's go back to Vivian C's bio. Um, I had just started her professional notes. Uh, Since 2003, Vivian has been miscellaneous crew for a few major films, notably The Day After Tomorrow and The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. She moved on to produce for National Geographic and program for the Tribeca Film Festival. Her film short preamble was awarded the Silver Lay Award at the Honolulu Film Festival in 2009. Her feature script, Joe Boy, J-O-E, Boy, was selected for the 2013 Nantucket Screenwriters Colony. In spring 2014, she participated in the POV Hackathon with the Angola Project. Walking Dead work. She was a co-producer starting with Season 9, Episode 1, for 16 episodes over 2019 to 2020, basically all of season nine, but then some bleed over. And she ended that at season 10, episode 16, A Certain Doom. So I guess all of season nine and 10 from what I can piece together, but 10 had an extension. So the classic part of 10. She has been a producer since the extension in season 10, episode 17, Home Sweet Home, to season 11, episode nine, No Other Way, a few weeks ago for 15 episodes, and then she became a supervising producer for three episodes so far. That's her current role. Beginning with season 11, episode 10, two weeks ago, new haunts to present, including tonight, that's three episodes. She's been executive story editor for 16 episodes from season 9, episode 1, A New Beginning, up to season 9, episode 16, The Storm. Including tonight, she has written or co-written Seven episodes of The Walking Dead, starting with Stradivarius Season 9, Episode 7 to tonight. She was on Talking Dead once in September 2021 after Season 11, Episode 3, Haunted. And we're back. I'll see you guys at break number two. Okay, guys, we are at break number two, and it is 9.18 p.m. I'm actually willing to go to six for this. Here's some commentary between the last time we voted and had a break and now. Um, First off, I have in my trivia notes the actor that plays Theo, the blue technician, blue outfitted technician looking after Ezekiel. It's just they had a named actor, and even though he had like two lines, I just wanted to keep straight who he was because they wouldn't say. 
And uh, also, the walker that Daryl killed may have been Greg Nicotero, because other trivia I have for you guys is that Greg is a uh, walker in tonight's show, which he does from time to time. And Jonas mentioned, I think Ezekiel knows Carol a little too well, as far as probably suspecting she had to do with how he jumped up the line for surgery. And then we got, uh, oh, okay, so about the tour. So they go to Alexandria and then Oceanside, saving Hilltop for last. And I object to this trip because they're based in Ohio. They said it several times. No way they would have brought that huge-ass non-car-driven caravan all the way to Virginia. It's eight hours by highway car in the present day because I've made that trip on the way to Illinois to see family. Um, I am willing to give it a six, but continuity and distance, they take way too many frickin' liberties on this show. You know, it's nice to have the communities interacting, but this is not realistic. There's so many things that could go wrong between Ohio and Northern Virginia up by D.C. And Joan says they would be gone for days or weeks at the least. She's going to six as well. But, I mean, if they're gone for days or weeks and they've got 10 or 15 people in that caravan and horses, they don't have supplies to be on the road like that for days and weeks. It's too much. It's in the script taking advantage of something or another going on here. All right. Let me go back to uh, Vivian C.'s Walking Dead work. That's where we had to pause. Okay. Co-producer. Oh, no, actually, I think I did pause exactly there. Um, okay. Let's see. I had, okay, no, we looked up the coalition and that, okay, I think we are a little more caught up than I thought we were. Let's go ahead and go to the director tonight. Tanya McKiernan is an American television director and producer. Since the mid-1990s, she has amassed a number of directorial credits. She's also the daughter of late television producer Stephen J. Cannell, K, not K, C-A-N-N-E-L-L, and his wife, Marsha, and she has three siblings. She attended University of the Pacific from 1987 to 1992. It doesn't mention whether she graduated and what her degree was in, at least not here. You know, maybe I can research it later. Tonya is married to Timothy McKiernan. She resides in the foothills of the San Gabriel Mountains in Sierra Madre, California, with her husband, three kids, dog, and cat. All right. McKiernan made her directorial debut on the series Renegade, directing two episodes. She then directed four episodes of Silk Stockings. Both series were produced by her father, Stephen J. Cannell. Her other television work includes VIP, Hunter, Revival Series, 10-8, Officers on Duty, NYPD Blue, Johnny Zero, The Closer, Blue Bloods, Bones, Las Vegas, E-Ring, Windfall, Eyes, Close to Home, Women's Murder Club, ER, Army Wives, Terminator, The Saracana Chronicles, Monk, In Plain Sight, Royal Pains, Warehouse 13, Psych, The Mentalist, Criminal Minds, Blind Spot, and The Magicians in a Partridge in a Pear Tree. Um, we may be going back, so I'm waiting. No, that's commercial still. Let's keep going. <clears throat> in 2012, she directed the TV movie Secrets of Eden, starring John Stamos. She's a co-chair member of the Directors Guild of America. In 2016, she was the writer of the Fox Revive series of the A-Team. Tanya has most recently been working on developing the remake of Greatest American Hero for Fox. Uh, directing tonight's episode is her second work ever within the Walking Dead franchise. 
She first directed Fear, Season 6, Episode 7, Damage from the Inside. And now we're back. I'll see you guys at break number three. Thanks. Okay, guys, it's 9.30, and we are at break number three. And I'm actually going to go to 6.25 because of this last scene with Pamela and Maggie talking because I like the fact that Maggie is challenging her, but it's still working. She hasn't gone too far yet. Joan's going to to 6.5, and that's all fine. This is good. So... Commentary from the last break. I smelled a trap with this hunting shiz, them going out in the woods like they were somebody's going to meet an accident and they're going to make up that it happened or I don't know, whatever. Um, and Joe says, might need a, re- a minder from Maggie, though, if you cross her. Um, and then I had mentioned Pamela does not really understand Oceanside, though, and what Oceanside and Hilltop have. Uh, she doesn't, and Joan says she doesn't seem to understand any of the communities, especially the part where everyone has equal opportunity to better themselves. No, she definitely doesn't understand that, because as much as she tries to talk about it, she's like, oh, you know, philanthropy events, and that's how I knew Deanna and all that. Um, let's just say in my past, I have had very heavy exposure to such philanthropy events like that, and... I, you have to be political to run in those circles because who has the money to donate stuff like charity balls? It's, you know, corporate execs and politicians and so on, people that are connected. Um, Joan also says, love that Maggie sees through Pamela immediately and calls her on a BS. Yes, exactly so. And I'm actually fine with that conversation. It needs to happen. I'm kind of wondering if, Pam is a lot more like Deanna in that Deanna's husband was kind of a putz, if I remember. And, you know, she cared about him, didn't want anything to happen to him, but she also recognizes that he probably deserved it. So I'm not really sure where they're all going with that exactly. But anyhow, let me see. Okay, we're still in the commercial, so let's see if we can go back to the notes. Alrighty, we had completed Tanya's profile, and we were just getting to trivia. Tonight's episode is the 165th episode of Walking Dead ever. First appearance of Theo, who we now know who he is. Um, for last appearance of Deanna Monroe and Reg Monroe, they were in a photograph together. I'm waiting to see. Okay, we're still in the commercial. Um, this episode was originally titled All or Nothing, and that's what I told you last week. And it was later changed for, at this time, unknown reasons. Maybe it'll come out later. But this episode marks the return of Oceanside, who hasn't been seen on the show since A Certain Doom. The original plot summary for the episode was as follows. Eugene comes face-to-face with the real person behind the Stephanie identity on the radio, but how can he be certain it's truly her? Will it be too much for him to process? With his heart and soul shattered, who will he turn to? Who will he be able to trust? Meanwhile, Hornsby presents his plans for Alexandria to Governor Pamela Milton. Maggie gets a glimpse into life at the Commonwealth, and Ezekiel gets unsettling news. I guess the unsettling part was him figuring out what Carol did to pull this off and him feeling like he's taking away from other people. And 
I understand Carol's point. Okay, we have a promo for fear. So with this going on, we'll probably be back in a minute. Let me keep going as much as I can. Co-stars tonight, Ken Michael Spiller as Herschel Ree and Nicholas Velez as Theo, who's a random black man in his 30s. Turns out he is the um, tech working on Ezekiel who's dressed in blue scrubs. And now we're back. I'll see you guys at break number four. Okay, it's 9.41, and we are at break number four. I'm actually coming up with Joan to 6.5. She's staying there. Uh, Let's go through commentary while we've been sitting watching. Okay, Joan has said, Commonwealth seems to have a rigid caste system with no chance for anyone to improve their station, which also seems to be how just how Pamela and her lackey want it. Yeah, Um And I said, yeah, and they're realizing none of the coalition works that way. And likely that includes all the people they've just let into the Commonwealth. I'm also fussing, why does Eugene have jet black hair now? It wasn't earlier. And then Joan says, I love Rosita's practical outlook. It works for now. And I said, his beard is brown and his temples are white. And I agree with Rosita, what she said. And Joan says, even though she isn't thinking of the Commonwealth as completely permanent, and yeah, Eugene is aging. Well, it's not even just aging. Like, he dyed his hair darker. Eugene's not really into, like, cosmetic-y kinds of things. So how did his – why is his hair darker like that? And if he has gray coming off the temples, why did he leave it? He doesn't seem the type who would. Now, as somebody who's aging and coloring their hair, although I'm blonde, um, that's a lot of effort in the apocalypse. So I don't know if that's supposed to mean, look, the Commonwealth can let him – dye his hair black and not do all these special things, whatever. Anyway, um, I wish DC and Eugene, that plot point, wasn't a lie. That was a really good twist, and I wanted to see it come together. I really don't like that they let that die or made it false. Um, Jonas also said, oh, damn, I kind of wish Eugene had confided in Rosita. She's one of the better ones to help root out all the crap in the Commonwealth. Yes, that is true, and maybe she still will. Um, Joan also says, I think Mercer will eventually move over to the non-Commonwealth viewpoints. I do, too. I think he's already there. It's just that he holds a position where they can be punished if that gets out. You know, I think that's why they were showing us him arguing with his sister earlier. And then Joan also says, she noticed that earlier about Eugene with the darker hair and wondered about it as well. So these are all of our comments. We're still on a commercial, at least for a minute. So let me take a look at the trivia and see where I stopped. Um, okay, uncredited people. Do we let's see? Uh, yeah, I think we got time. Tova Felcha as Deanna Monroe in a photograph. Stephen Coulter as Reg Monroe. Rebecca Ray as Elaine, who's the ice cream lady. Unknown as we still haven't named who is playing uh, Coco Socorro Espinoza. Brandon Pagel as Hilltop resident. Kenny Lee as Kinney, not Kenny as Hilltop resident, and Jamel Vaughn as a Hilltop resident, and Laura Kelly as a Hilltop resident. Michael Cosmos and Anon is, I don't know how to say this, A-N-A-N-I-C-Z as Warden, and Greg Nicotero as a Walker. Uh, Public.com commercial might be going back. Oh, they have a 
advertisement or trailer for a show on AMC Plus, so it probably will be in a second. Last episode trivia we'll probably get to after the break between four and five. Tonight's episode is the 164th episode of Walking Dead ever. That was last week. Now we have a Whopper commercial. We have a little time. Uh, reminder, first appearance of Roman Calhoun, of Jan, and of Moto. The title of the episode, Rogue Element, refers to Eugene believing a rogue element of the Commonwealth government to be behind Stephanie's disappearance. Stephanie's real name is revealed to be Shira, S-H-I-R-A. Stephanie Vega is revealed to be Mercer's sister, and that refers to Max, the other person being Stephanie. Um, this episode mar- marks Josh McDermott's 75th appearance on the series. It marks Angel Theory's 25th appearance on the series. This is the last episode of the series written by uh, frequent writer David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick. The original plot summary for the episode was as follows. Do we have time or are we back? Yeah, we're in a commercial. Okay. Eugene becomes unhinged when he is blindsided and unable to fit the pieces together. Fully invested, Hornsby will be there to help Eugene should he land in trouble. Connie steps on toes pursuing a Milton story, which is not the Commonwealth way. Here, there are always consequences for your actions. Well, that's what they call it. What they really mean is you will be punished if you snoop around. Um, That's not part of the review. That's from me. Will Eugene and Connie recognize and respect the clues and rules in their individual searches for the truth? Meanwhile, Carol finds herself outside the Commonwealth walls again. All right, and now we are back. So I'll see you guys at break number five. Okay, guys, it is 9.52. This is probably the last break. And I'm actually going to go up as Joan has done at 675. Let me uh, read the chit chat that you missed from last time. So Joan has said she noticed Eugene had gotten darker hair a couple episodes ago and had been wondering about that as well. And she said maybe um, Josh McDermott was going grayer than showrunners would like and they're trying to dye him back badly. <clears throat> I don't know if this is supposed to be a plot point because what I was saying is they have Greg Nicotero there. So there's no way that something as simple as that would be a, just a, a random fuck up desperately trying to deal with it because I'm sure Greg could do lots of things to make Josh not look so damn old without having jet black hair that he never had. <clears throat> well, I also noticed that... Um, Pamela's lackey, and I can't remember his stupid name right now, um, didn't answer Maggie's question. And this whole thing is starting to smell like Russia and Ukraine. You know, I have this huge thing in power and other places, and it's like, you know, come back under our wing and so on. Yeah, maybe politically that's a ham-fisted comparison. I mean more in size and <clears throat> Ukraine being the Commonwealth. No, not the Commonwealth, the other one, the coalition because they are underestimated and much more feisty than people thought. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Um, Jonah said, honestly, I think Maggie can take the Commonwealth at some point if she really wants to. They should be careful with rhetoric he tries to schmooze her with. And I had said, I mean, they have 50,000 people, but I'm sure she could damage them. And Jonah said, after all, she was considered Deanna's right-hand person within days of reaching Alexandria, so she knows how to work politics if she wants to. <clears throat> I mean, I, I do think that's true. 
I also find it plot-wise interestingly convenient that a lot of the things they couldn't do for themselves are getting fixed, you know, like you, um, Ezekiel's tumor and getting supplies that they had to go through all that shit with the Reapers to get for themselves and that sort of thing. So I'm, I just find it interesting. They're going to get the little boosts they can't do for themselves and then go back. Okay, let's go back to trivia real quick. We read the... Original plot summary for last week. Co-stars last week were William Mark McCulloch as Moto, uh, Mary Jean Fenton as Old Woman, Commonwealth Resident Number Four, Bruno Rose as Comms Monitor, Commonwealth Resident Number Five, Daryl Snedeker as Hospital Trooper, Commonwealth Soldier Five, David Collier as Logistics Officer, Commonwealth Soldier Six, <clears throat> Carrie Walrand Hood as Nurse, Commonwealth Resident Six. Um. Uncredited people, Rebecca Ray is Elaine. She's a resident and ice cream clerk at the Commonwealth. Um, Jason Fernandez is Livitz. Uh, remember back when uh, Princess said, Livitz and Zell are at it again. You know, the two that are always flirting with each other. The big guy, Livitz. The skinny guy, Zell. Trooper Livitz, first name unknown, is a survivor of the outbreak and resident of the Commonwealth who serves as a soldier for the Commonwealth Army. Unknown actress as Carrie in the episode New Haunts. Carrie is among the members of the Commonwealth High Society to attend the masquerade ball held at Union Station. She's introduced to Connie and Kelly by Pamela Milton for an interview on her life in the Commonwealth since winning the lottery. Okay, so she's a lottery girl. <clears throat> Carrie also listens to Ms. Milton's speech and is horrified when Tyler Davis takes a woman hostage during the event, but is relieved when she is freed. In the episode Rogue Element, on a sunny day in the Commonwealth, Carrie happily brings over two ice cream cones to a table where a male companion is seated. Uh, let's see if we're back. We are not, but soon. <clears throat> Meredith Duffy Hale, actress as Hilltop Resident Survivor 102, since season nine. She's been in a lot. And Nelson Padilla as Hilltop Resident Survivor 231, since season 10. No deaths and no errors. And we are not back, but we probably will be because that's better call Saul. Oh, no, we have a quick commercial. Let me see what I can get through. Cast birthdays this week. Layla Robbins, who plays Governor of the Commonwealth, Pamela Milton. March 14th is her birthday. She's from St. Paul, Minnesota. And Greg Nicotero's birthday is coming up March 15th, and he's from Pittsburgh. Featured music last week, Lovers of Monterey by Anthony Maurer. And that's the music playing as Eugene waits for Stephanie. Unaccounted for characters I'm ignoring. Talking Dead tonight will be Carrie Payton, Deborah Joy Winans, and Ross Marquand. And we are back. I'll see you at the end. Okay, guys. It's 10.06. It's time for Talking Dead. Um, let me go over some last-minute notes that I want to make sure to tell you. Um, Talking Dead tonight, as I mentioned, was Carrie Payton, Deborah Joy, one, and Ross Marquand. Um, I had discussion links, but we didn't need them. The rest of Season 11... I don't have full notes for everything. Next week will be episode 166-13 called Warlords. The writers are Jim Barnes and Eric Mountain. Director is Lauren Iaconelli. Air date is the 20th, next Sunday. <clears throat> Other upcoming shows on NDB Media, Monday Night in America with Roger Noriega at 10. Fandom Access on Tuesdays at 10. Um, Rock and Roll Shrink will be on Wednesday the 16th. We don't have a topic yet. Travel Itch Radio, I'll read to you. That will be on St. Patrick's Day, by the way. Happy St. Pat's early. 
Uh, Travelers Radio heads to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for an interview with Julie Ellis of Visit Myrtle Beach. During her half-hour broadcast, she'll tell Dan, Dan Schlossberg and Mary Ellen Nugent Lee about this resort community, which has everything from history and art museums to 100 golf courses, 60 miles of beaches, amusement shows, and 1,800 restaurants. So thank you for joining us tonight. Both those of you who may be listening later via podcast, iTunes, or Blog Talk Radio website, uh, special appreciation to our host, NDB Media. We hope you will join us next weekend for another live watch party on the same network. Please watch our Facebook page for next week's showtimes and episode links. See you all next time. Thank you for joining us tonight, and goodbye.